In the Fuzzy Memories podcast, we celebrate the good, the rad, and the fugly of the 80s and 90s. We're three latchkey kids who made it out alive. And in each episode, we break down all the culture that popped one year at a time. Whether it's the birth of legends. I'm Lyme disease free today and I have Whitney Houston and MTV to thank. (laughs) Or audacious moves. Imagine also the the poor Golden Gate Bridge. You turn 75 and people have a party on you. I don't want that. Or even confusing PSAs. In the stop, drop, and roll. I mean, we would, I assume as an adult, I would catch on fire weekly. All the time! (laughs) We've got a take that will make you laugh. We've also got thoughts on all sorts of random phenomena and the most unmitigated of golf. Why sharks can't be trusted, people can't be trusted, and rivers can't be trusted. (laughs) It's collusion. It's of the highest degree! Uh Uh-huh. You were counseling me to start my remarks with, first of all, bitch. <laughs> that one, everyone in that room would have snapped to attention. It's going to be basically coffee lids, shark revenge, and then maybe like Matt gets. <laughs> we need to do something about him. Join us every other Wednesday to celebrate the hits, the misses, and the misfits of the weirdest decades. If I could tell my 14-year-old self from 1990 that I would be eating in a cheesecake factory in, in Beverly, Beverly Hills, I'd be like, we did it. We, we did it, Joe. We did it. <laughs> Listen and subscribe to Fuzzy Memories on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. Hello, and welcome to Broads and Books. I'm Amy. And I'm Erin, and this is episode number 130. Just take that in. 130. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The impression that I get. First off, that's a lot of episodes. So that's many episodes. so many episodes. You're welcome, listeners. <laughs> 130. Mm-hmm. Three that's another way of saying it. Three straight work weeks of episodes that oh. you could listen to. Wow. Yeah. Well, a little more then. Okay. Yeah. That was like if you worked overtime in a couple of It took weeks. me a minute. I was like, I don't understand the math that you, the differential calculus that you're using there, but I got it now. Yeah, I think yeah. I got it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let's return to what our theme is. Yes. Which is the impression that I get. Oh. This is another 90s song. Great song. And for, if there's any youths listening mm-hmm. that have never heard the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, I'm so sad for you. Yes. Also, you missed out. On seeing a potential career path, because if you'll remember, of the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, there was one dude that was always on the stage, uh, the corner of the stage, just dancing. That's he, right. He didn't play any instruments. He just did one dance. That's over right. And over and over again. He wore a suit and he danced, and that was it. He's in the video and he's just dancing. I see. And that's that it. is a career path. That's a career path that seemed to available be in a band with no musical talent. Yes, that's amazing. That's amazing. The impression that I get is he's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> The impression that I get, I saw these guys what? in the University of Iowa IMU okay. Memorial Union in 1997, probably. Wow. And it was great, I, except I had a tummy ache. Oh. So it felt kind of similar to your Heavesgate situation where I was like, I want to enjoy this, but I need a bathroom. I need to go to the bathroom. It was terrible. Oh, I'm sorry. That's disappointing. So I missed out on Dancing Dude. Was your toilet flushing so loud that they noticed? No, okay. no, no. The IMU had better toilets than the Englert Theater, the nearby Englert Theater. Both Iowa City situations. Yeah. Look at that. Look at that. Anyway. Yeah. So besides just being a killer song, I liked the idea of thinking about first impressions. Yes. Maybe mistaken first impressions. Mm-hmm. The wrong impressions, the wrong you might impressions. say. Yes. I thought that was a good theme rife for exploration i did too right when you said it i was like this is terrific and it immediately made me think of something okay and i'm interested to know what you think because i know what my answer is okay do you feel confident that you would be able to know that someone was a serial killer after meeting them (laughs) one time first impression talk about first impressions and the answer is absolutely not yeah i would be terrible at that right yeah and also, like, if I get a bad first impression, I'm not going to stick around that person, but I'm also not going to go away thinking that person's a serial killer. No. I'm going to go away thinking, like, that person's annoying. Yes. Or that person is super high on themselves, and yeah. they should not be. I never go away, even if they're a creeper, 
thinking that guy's going to murder somebody tonight. Right. Right. And then it made me think statistically, we've probably all met a murderer. We've probably already met a murderer. Yeah. Maybe not a serial killer because yeah. apparently that, you know, there's a different designation for that. But oh my God, you're right. Yeah. We have had a bad first impression or maybe even a good first impression. That's what I'm scared That's of. That's terrifying. That's what I'm scared of. I read all the crime stuff yeah. and I feel like I'd get sucked in immediately and be like, this guy's kind of charming. And then- so we walked away from a meeting at some point in our lives thinking that guy was swell. Yeah. It turns out he and was not swell. Deep buried in his past is a murder. Yeah. Or yeah. in his future, he was going to murder future. somebody. Yeah, you're or right. Or maybe he even looked at us and was like, could I murder them? Maybe. Maybe. She is annoying. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Brush with death. That's fantastic. That mm-hmm. statistical knowledge mm-hmm. that we've all talked to a murderer and or serial killer in our lives. It's, it's just math. It's just math. Yeah. It's just math. <laughs> it's just simple math. Okay. So... I want to get back to general first impressions. Yeah, 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 yeah. And bad first impressions. What is the worst first impression that you yourself have ever given? Well, okay, I'm going to, it's kind of a little bit of a cheat, but it had to do with a manager I had. And to be clear, this, like, I obviously I knew this manager, but we didn't have a lot of interaction. Okay. And it was review time. And like everybody just got a schedule and you had to go in and get a review. Well, I was waiting in like the lobby area of his office and my legs were crossed and I didn't realize that I must have been really nervous. And so I was kind of having one of those like out of body, just like waiting type of things. So when he came to get me, <laughs> I stood up and immediately fell down because Whoa! my legs were asleep. <laughs> like, I mean, it looked like someone took an I was picturing cane. like. You'd pissed yourself. You, no. There was a menstrual situation. No. There was something. Okay. It was just straight up I stood up, up falling, and then went straight and then down. Falling. Okay. Like I got caned in the back of the knee. Right, 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 yeah. right, right, right. And then I was like, oh, I'm sorry from the floor and like hopped up. But then your legs are asleep and they don't come back that fast. <laughs> so then I sort of hobbled like I was imitating someone. Okay. Okay. Which is also not a great That's impression. not a great impression. Yeah. And then mumbled something like, I think my legs are asleep. So that person came away from that, like either, hey, <laughs> she can't f- do the job because she can't walk. Right. B, she's making fun of someone who can't walk. Very insensitive. Yeah. And it was actually a really great review, but I sort of felt like the undertone of it was like, is this the right person? Like, yeah. she just fell down. <laughs> Immediately when I called her, she <laughs> fell down. You know, Business situation, like dressed up on her knees yeah. in the lobby. I yeah. mean, it's not a good look. Yeah. Is this no. the first day she wore heels? Because that's the impression <laughs> she's giving. It feels like she was has never done this in her life. No. And then sort of walk like a giraffe. And uh-huh. I don't know what that means. Yeah. You know what? I suddenly, as you started talking through this, I suddenly vividly remembered your story about the like, was it a house sitting situation or something where you went in and the lady, like, she didn't have her top on and oh, then she had the a picture of herself. Yes, yeah. yes, 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 uh-huh, yes. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I was thinking of that as a first impression. And that was something. That was something. Mm-hmm. That Will was you a remind couple- us of what that was? So it was like. Yeah, I was a nanny and uh, I started, it was for a professor when I was in college and I started before the baby was born. That's right. So I. I had like little hints of weirdness, but Uh not like full on, you know, and coming from where I came from, like it it was probably a little sheltered. And so the stuff that I first thought was sort of like, um, I just thought they were really cultured and intelligent, right? (laughs) Of course. And then we're the dumb ones. Yeah. Yeah. After the baby, when we're walking around naked and then there's a naked painting of you, your husband did in your bedroom. Yep. All that's a lot. That's when a lot. I'm showing you how to hold a baby, that's not something that should be happening. Uh, no. no. You were showing them how to hold a baby? Yeah. Yeah, that's no good. For her specifically. I think he was fine, but she had like a real disconnect with the whole situation. And huh. he, he was like always crying and she was just holding him out. And I'm like, you have to, uh, Oh, he just wants to be near yeah. your naked chest. So. Mm-hmm. Huh. Mm-hmm. And also, why are we naked if you're not going to hold him near? Right. Generally, why are we naked? Why are you why just are, in your underwear? Why are we you knew that? I was coming. Yeah, why are we? You set the time. <laughs> so. <laughs> Is this just naked time now? Yeah. I don't know if I like this I job anymore. I don't need that. No. Nope. Per se. We've had some weird bosses that give off weird first yes. impressions. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I was just thinking through a litany of them. Speaking of that, like weird bosses, what's the worst first impression you've ever received from um, someone? Every online dating chat ever. 
ever, <laughs> ever. <laughs> and I think there's like a scale, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So there's like a, you know, unsolicited dick pic that's on one end of the scale. That's just like a first, you know, that's communique. Not... Like, this is what I've got to offer. Yeah, Here you go. it's just so... Often pictured next to something else for perspective and size perspective. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so there's that. There's like weird sexualized redhead stuff. And I've had this my whole life where like random boys and men when I was younger asking, does the carpet match the drapes? That was a continual question as well as like, are you red everywhere? (coughs) Oh, God. Like adults asking a 13 year old girl. That's so not right. It was something like weird about red hair that like people just felt like. No boundaries. This is fine. It's fine. Please tell me it wasn't the guy that called on the phone that asked. Who knows? I blocked a lot of that out. Maybe there was some redhead stuff in there. <laughs> Who knows? So there's that. There's also an entire range of hissy fits that, uh, that again, I date both men and women. Guess where... Guess which gender is falling on this scale? On the hissy fits? Uh, yeah. Or the whole scale? <laughs> oh, the whole male. scale. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The hissy fits in particular. I mean, the dick kind of gave it away. Right, 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 yeah. right. <laughs> um, there was one hissy fit in particular that was like a guy that was like, hey, are you down to fuck right now? And it was like, no. And then they th- lost their mind. Like, sir, we we haven't talked at all. We didn't have plans. Why are you upset that I'm breaking imaginary plans? And also, why do you think that it's okay to demand that immediately? And yeah. I mean, like, that's the how I want to start a relationship. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, I remember the very first time, back in the days of yore, of, like, <laughs> Match.com before there were, like, apps and stuff. Yeah. And I remember, like, matching with a guy. And, like, he was probably late 30s, early 40s, because I think I was mid-30s. And... Like started a chat and then I had to step away for like a few minutes and I came back. He was losing his mind. I didn't sign up for this to be ghosted. How dare you not tell me where you were going for five minutes or whatever? And it's like, oh, and that started it. That started a decade of hissy fits and strangeness. Oh, my gosh. These are just some of the examples that are coming to mind. So basically, again, worst first impression, every online dating chat. Yeah. Fair it's just, enough. It's just kind of a game, too. Like, what am I going to get this time? Yeah. Let's see. It's like a weird slot machine. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes if I can step back and just take a narrative distance and be like, well, what kind of story am I going to get from this? Yeah. That can be fun. Yeah. If you get too invested, that's devastating. That's not good. It's not good. That's not good. What about you? Um, surprisingly also male. Um, and it was through. This is shocking. Yeah. I was, um, in an interview for a position that I wasn't like entirely sure that I thought I wanted, but I was there and right away my impression was like, okay, this is like gym douche like works out he's kind of tan like thinks he's really great like he's got business casual clothes on but like tailored or bought to kind of fit his muscles Uh you know and uh i was like this is already i don't like this and he took me into this office that was super nondescript like it did not look like he was the boss of anything it looked like he was just the interviewer like it I can't express to you how small this office okay. was either. Okay. We were very close across this desk. Okay. And he asked me like nor- some normal interview questions. And then he said, who's a female you admire? Uh. And like, I, it was so out of left field to me because I was like, what? What does that have to do with? It just felt like one of those interview questions. Yeah. And I was like, my mind was racing because I was like, What? We're having this. Like, I wasn't in that mode. And so, also, when you're asked that, I'm like, I can't think of a single woman in my no, entire life. No, no names are coming no. to my mind. No, well, I said Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Oh, there you go. Because yep. that's, that's the best solid. I could. Co- I mean, solid. I do admire, but yes. it's the best I could do in that situation, right. right? And I was like Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and he dumbfounded. I mean, like dumbfounded. And I'm like, I don't know how to proceed. And he said, like most people say, Oprah. Like I said the wrong answer. Like you asked me who you asked me an opinion question. And he said, most people say Oprah. And I said, oh, ha ha, kind of laughed it off because I still wasn't sure what he was getting at. And he's like, like I would say Oprah. And I was like, 
okay. What is happening right now? Right. And I was really thrown off, but I was so thrown off that I kind of forgot I was in an interview. And I said, why do you admire Oprah? <laughs> and he said, how can you even ask that? Oh, and I was like, I, I just wondered, like, personally, like, are you, like, from a business standpoint or, like, journalistically yeah. or, and he was like, I don't even know how to answer that. Wow. Which made me think, do you know Oprah? You don't know what Oprah does. No. And I was no like, idea. okay, so this is all wrong. Like, I'm pretty sure I just failed because I said Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Also, do you think he knew who that was? I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. No, I'm not entirely sure. Maybe that's why he's dumbfounded. Like, yeah. I don't know these words that are coming out yeah. of your mouth. But then immediately switch to you're wrong. You're oh supposed to say Oprah. What? Is she sponsored this company? What do you mean? <laughs> I was supposed to know that Oprah was of the answer? all the women in the world, I had to choose this one yeah. or I failed. And then I realized that Harpo Productions is Oprah spelled backwards and I messed up that interview. No, I'm just kidding. I wasn't there. <laughs> So wait, how did that interview end? And like uh, right after that, okay, and yeah. it was mutual. I was just like, "This is we're not a fit, and I don't want to be here anymore." This is so weird. And he was like, "We'll let you know." Like over enthusiastic when you're walking out, and I was like, "You don't even have to give." Yeah, me the, you don't have to pretend. You're not gonna. Like, that do. was weird. Let's just agree that was yeah, weird. that was weird. And I'm not going to work with a bunch of people who all said Oprah because clearly that's no. like your secret password to get in yeah. here. Yeah, I don't know what that means. Is no. this a cult? <laughs> What what is this? It's a nondescript office building. You guys have all those weird inspirational posters with quotes on the bottom with soaring eagles. That's all you have. Oh my god, it was a cult. I think so. Yeah, I think and that you might have been have Keith right- Raniere, and oh, I didn't realize shit. it. <laughs> so he didn't have the sweatbands and the volleyball hair no, and everything. He did invite me to a volleyball. League. Well, no, there no. you go. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> you dodged a bullet. I dodged a bullet with the uh, culty cult guy. I mean, job interviews can go so weird and so wrong anyway, but that's a that's a new one. Yeah. That's unique. Yeah. So absurd. Usually when you ask an open-ended question, you're ready for, for an open-ended answer. Correct. Correct. And certainly you don't correct someone, even if you think that's a weird answer. Yeah. You might mark that down in your notes and decide not to hire them, yeah. but you don't come back and say, most people say Oprah in aggressive <laughs> tone that says, you got the wrong answer. I'm not on Jeopardy. And I, you know, it made me feel like one of those SNL sketch where they do the game yeah. shows and they're yeah. like, what? What yeah. did you like, say? Yeah, like what is happening? Yeah. Where I, am I? Yeah. What is this place? And I need to leave now. Yeah. So, you know, bad Post first impressions got me out of that job. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that guy was the serial killer that you met in your life. hundred percent. Do you he think was. he went and murdered somebody? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I he think did. you're right. Yeah. You know, he did. Also, I need to address the fact that I am very congested. I know. We should have done that sooner. (laughs) In case my voice sounds weird or in case I sound like I'm panting into the microphone, it's because I can't breathe and talk at the same time. Right, right, right. (laughs) That's fair. Um, Also, let's just call this an update section before we get to the the picks. But we haven't discussed the fact that we found out in the last couple of weeks that you are, in fact, having another Book published. Book three, baby. Book three. On the heels of book two. Yes. So tell us about book three. <laughs> book three is a nonfiction book. Let me say that again whoa, because my whoa, voice didn't whoa. come out. Nonfiction. Nonfiction. The first yes. two fiction. <laughs> the first two short story collections. This one is nonfiction. It's kind of like a memoir in essays kind of thing. Um, it's going to be published by University of Iowa Press, which what? is very exciting. Because so exciting. A- alumni b great press c this is an iowa story it's a it's about a number of things it's about family um it's about discovering autism at a later age um it's about the grotesque nature of being a woman in this society Mm -hmm. and this world so a lot of different things and yeah so it's going to be coming out fall of 2024 so exciting yeah remind us when the short story collection is coming out spring of 2024 wow so next year, you're going to be busy as my hype boom, woman. Boom. Yes. Yeah, you got a lot to do next I'm, year. I'm gearing up. Yeah. I, that's why I've started an excessive oh. stamina routine. Oh, oh. Yeah. Tell us about it. What's what's in this routine? It's in, it's in, it's in process. <laughs> it's in process. I'm trying to decide what skills would best suit me. Sure, 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 sure. And the yeah. hypes, you know. Good. I'm we'll come back. yelling. Oh, good, good, good. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm practicing 
hustling crowds. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's good. Another one. That's good. I'm practicing online kicking people out of Ooh, chat. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Yep. I'm practicing saying no more autographs. Oh, this is going to be so great. I'm practicing saying she'll be on in 10 minutes. It's fine. Read her writer. <laughs> Read her writer. Ooh, will you write my writer? Yes. What will be in my writer? Uh, Reese's Pieces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Um, all kinds of vegan things. Yeah, give me anything vegan that's actually vegan. I'm in. Yeah, anything vegan yeah. that's actually vegan. A quiet room. Oh, God, yeah. The ability that sh- at any time she can take a break and go oh, sit in the quiet God, room. Oh, God, yeah. Mm-hmm. That'll be in your writer. Um, and no judgment. No for judgment. sensory overload. No, yeah. no judgment. No, I don't want – if you got judgy employees, those are they are not on that day. Yeah. They are, I'm not asking you to fire them. I'm just asking them to keep a safe distance. Yep. Uh, also in your writer is my ability to screen anyone that wants to talk to you. Oh, I okay. Can say what good, you good, want good. To say. Yes. And then I can say no. <laughs> no, you need to, would you like an autograph? I can do that, but you are not allowed to open your mouth. If you open your mouth, I will revoke your book and you will be asked to leave. Wow. Will you then like keep a running update of all the weird things that you hear? Yeah. And I just don't have to hear it from them. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. I'll just keep like a binder. And when you want yeah. like a laugh, I'll be yes. like, well, this person came up and really <laughs> wanted to show you this whole manual they wrote for fixing your broken child. Uh, right. Right. And then I'll be like, see, that's. See, that's see, that's not. You see, didn't read the book, You sir. didn't read the book. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. just revealed your cards. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to have to ask you to leave. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. I think John or from Kate plus eight is signing books over there. I think that's where you need to be. That's where you need to be, sir, ma'am, together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're going to be really good at this. I feel like I was born for it. Frankly. Yeah. 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 I love to tell people no. Oh, man. In a, in a boss kind of way. And this is great because, you know, it, as much as obviously I write these things in order to hopefully see them in print one day and have them out in the world. But I will admit, like when my first book came out, uh, like a year and a half ago, year and a half ago now, Jesus, um, it felt very, I was felt very vulnerable. It was a very like sort of strange, um, sort of naked experience, you know? So yes, I need a hype woman to get in between the the vulnerable making stuff. Yes, yeah. And, protect and we've all the, done enough yeah. author interviews to hear horror stories of yes. interactions. So yes. we need to eliminate that. You're going to need to really screen the dudes yeah. and see if they're going to ask about weird author photos and, and all of that shit. Yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh yeah, handled. Yeah. Handled. Mm-hmm. We're going to need to screen for people that are like, "But are you autistic?" You don't really seem to check the markers. Right. Yeah. Oh Isn't yeah. Isn't everyone a little bit autistic? Oh, boy. Yeah. We'll have an, a special removal process for those. Yeah. Girls yeah. can't be autistic. Also a special removal process You're for You're really high-functioning. Oh, God. That's just sniper. <laughs> That's just sniper. That's just... No. Is that like a gun sniper or like mind bullet sniper? Either one. We can, Either one. We can work yeah. that out. Okay. Yeah. Great. Great. Yeah. Great. Great. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. This is going to be great. Mm-hmm. People are going to get a great first impression of me because you're my first impression. Yeah. You don't take any bullshit. No, no, they're going to be like, if you can get through to Amy, then <laughs> you have gotten, you have done something because she's got the hardest yeah. handler I've ever seen. Yeah. Remember last week when we talked about like guard towers and yes. castles and trolls? Like, even if you get past the trolls, there's there's Aaron. Yeah. Aaron is waiting. And I might look like the, gar- <laughs> or the lifeguard troll. I might. I might seem like you yeah. could bribe me nope, 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 or that nope, nope, you could nope. get past me. But I can probably give you a list of 10 people right now off the top of my head that would say I was disarmed by her smile and then she absolutely annihilated yeah, me. Yeah, she devastated me to the core of my soul. Devastation. Yeah. Yes. And I will not hesitate in that situation. <laughs> and I reserve the right to wear all black the whole time. Oh, God, please do. Yeah. I need you to. Maybe a beret. Oh, <laughs> a nice touch and or okay a headlamp just to throw people (laughs) off because everybody be like why does she have a headlamp and i'd be like it's that was that a need to know question yeah you don't need to know the inner workings of what's happening here you don't need to worry about that yeah yeah did you come here to see amy read and talk about her book then don't worry about my headlamp (laughs) be the first test somebody bold enough to ask about my headlamp yeah out it was a trick Headlamp doesn't even work, lady. (laughs) It's just purely fashion. I mean, you put batteries in it. (laughs) That's exciting. 
So get ready to hear more about Erin and her regimen. And Amy's books, which is the, the really the <laughs> highlight of that whole story. So. <laughs> All right. Mm-hmm. So let's go to published books. Yes. Our picks for this episode. Uh-huh. My fiction pick is called Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. Very good. By Gabrielle Zevin. Mm-hmm. And this came out last summer. And so it's the mid-90s. And Sam is a student at Harvard. And okay. one day he spots an old friend on the subway platform, Sadie Green. They met back when they were kids in the hospital, actually. Sadie's sister was very sick, and Sam himself was getting over a car accident. And they met and became friends in this sort of haphazard game room, and they just bonded over video games. So now, as college students, they think, we should create a game. And over the course of a few months, as college students, they create a game called Ichigo, uh, which becomes this insane culture-shifting blockbuster. So now they are young, they've got money, and they have got huge dreams. And we follow them as they create more games, and they move to the West Coast, and they survive some disastrous tragedies. But, you know, as will happen with any business partnership, particularly one based on a friendship, there's so many like small and big fights and betrayals and pains, especially as money's getting involved and money's getting higher and higher and demands and all the other stuff. So really rich story. And I chose it for this theme because neither Sam nor Sadie really fit uh, their first impressions. Um, Sam is pretty taciturn. He's pretty closed off and he's always in physical pain as a result of that car accident. But he has this really big heart that he doesn't really show very much. And Sadie, no one wants to believe in a woman developing video games. Mm -hmm. So there's just that. And the both of them, when they start like publicizing their games, media just automatically assumes she's his girlfriend Uh. and that, you know, that's the whole arrangement. But, and as, some readers might come to this book thinking, well, this is eventually, they're eventually going to get together. That's not what this story is. They don't do that on a romantic level. And also video games themselves. I admit I'm not into them. I don't know much about games. I just, my impression is it's a lot of shooter games and I'm not into that. Right. Mm -hmm. But this is fascinating. They talk about, you know, these games that are very cerebral and very like, uh, very, very thoughtful, very, intricate and so it was this whole you know sort of first impression burst of this video game world that was really fascinating so yeah check it out yeah it sounds great all right and learning how to spell tomorrow is a benefit (laughs) uh well my fiction pick this week it's a it's a random one and it's a doozy and it was a fun fun ride it is called everyone in my family has killed someone By Benjamin Stevenson. <laughs> well, that's going to mess the whole algorithm up if everyone in their family has killed someone because we have done our math yes. that it's just one in like, you know, yeah, acquaintance circles. No, yeah, if yeah, you yeah. enter this group. So we okay. open with our narrator, Ernest Cunningham, who goes by Ern or Ernie. And he immediately sets up the stakes. He's supposed to show up at this family reunion at this very remote ski resort. And he tells us up front, reader, listen, everyone in my family's killed someone. And, but we have to go. We don't exactly know exactly why everyone's going to the family reunion yet, but he also sets up the rules for telling the story. The character in the book, Ernie, writes how to's for like detective and mystery novels or the rules of those. So he says to the reader, listen, I have more respect for you. I'm not going to pull these usual tricks. I'll be up front and I won't ever trick you. Everyone in my family's killed someone. Here's the page numbers where you find out where they (laughs) killed someone. Oh, my God. This is right up your alley. Yeah. Immediately, you're like, okay, so this is dark humor, Uh but also an amazing story. So I was in immediately. So he uh, heads up to the ski resort. And as promised, there's a death within the first 12 hours of that whole family being there. And it's a random hiker that no one seems to know. And from there, basically murder and mayhem continue and until we find out all of the information. And the whole way, he'll take asides to kind of tell you things like, I'm not tricking you. Remember that I said this in chapter two? Here's an example of that. Oh and he breaks down every person that's at the reunion and how they have killed someone. So 
it's so fun. It's so funny. It's if you like the Knives Out movies, yeah, this is the vibe oh, it gives that's you. Awesome. Like it's super clever. The yeah. story itself is still propulsive. Like you want to understand what's happening, mm-hmm. but you also have this great, funny narrator and kind of making fun of the tropes of the genre, which is so interesting to the reader. And I was laughing, but I was also like, I need to know what's going on. Like who mm-hmm. killed this guy? So n- terrific writing. Um, I have heard now that HBO actually bought the rights to this and is going to make it a limited series. Ooh. And then I also noticed that at, since I f- like saw the book somewhere, I saw it recommended somewhere, and since I've read it, they've changed like the subtitle to be Ernest Cunningham number one. So Ooh. I'm thinking that it's probably going to be a series of okay. him, yeah, which I would watch be- or watch would read because he's. As a character, he's not that typical detective, hard. Like, he's just a regular guy yeah. that's, like, stumbling into these things. And it's kind of endearing. And that's awesome. Yeah, it was phenomenal. And I picked it for this theme because, as with most murder mysteries, first impressions are not what they seem. But in a way that's so clever and they're being upfront with about it. You know, they're not trying to trick you into thinking this person's a good person. Everyone just is who they are. And like, you don't like certain characters and that doesn't mean that they're the murderer. It's just like, I don't like that guy. And he's upfront about it. Like Uh he'll be like, yeah, that guy hasn't killed someone yet. That comes later, but I don't really (laughs) like him. Like (laughs) it's wonderful. So I highly recommend. It was published in March of 2022, so. Excellent. Just from structure alone, it sounds like it's <gasps> super up your alley. It is. It yeah. was. It was so fun. And just going through these rules and breaking them and saying, like, I won't do that to you. I won't trick you, you know. But at the same time, he is kind of tricking you. Was... Sounds very cinematic, too. Yes. Yeah. Oh, very. Yeah. yeah. The whole time I kept getting, especially the most recent Knives Out, Glass Onion, mm-hmm. that was like, I just kept getting that vibe and yeah. I was for it all the way. So, uh I highly recommend, and it's a great palate cleanser. Like, it's a murder mystery, but it's also really fun. So if you're just sort of in between, I think it's a great one. Like, if you've read something that really, really spoke to you, and you're trying, you know, that transition's hard. It's hard. It's the book hole. Yeah. And this is a great, like, get you out of the book hole. This is fun. It's something different. It's a different style you're going to enjoy. So for my other genre pick, Mm -hmm. um, I chose a book called And Then We Grew Up. On Creativity, Potential, and the Imperfect Art of Adulthood. Oh. And this came out from Rachel Friedman in 20, 2019. So Rachel Friedman, she played the viola as a kid. And she was really, really good. Okay. And she even went to college uh, to play viola. And this was going to be her life path. She was going to be a professional musician. But immediately in college, the the rigors of it, the the reality of it, uh, she quit. And then that was a really hard thing to swallow, you right. know, like, okay, this was my dream. Now what? Then years later, she's a freelance writer in New York, but she's still struggling because she had this vision of what a freelance writer would be. And is she there yet? And she's struggling to pay her taxes and all of these things. So she's at this moment where she's kind of in search for answers. And she decides to track down some friends that went to this summer camp with her called Interlochen. And this camp was this very prestigious arts camp full of like actor, you know, kids that want to be actors and artists and dancers and musicians. Oh my goodness. And uh, like they put on plays like every day and they like, it's intense. And, you know, the goal obviously was to get them to, you know, explore their art, but sure. really to prepare them for potentially a professional future yeah. in the arts. So she wants to talk to some of them to find out how their early creative ambitions have like translated. Like, are they still doing it? What's their adult life like? What's their relationships like? Have they matched like what they thought it was going to be versus what it really is? Wow. So the rest of the book is that like she has these sort of long conversations with I believe eight different former camp members. Oh my gosh. Um that most of them she hasn't talked to since then and you know they're all in their mid 30s now and so they're talking 
about just everything I just said, like a lot of them aren't still doing their art or they're doing alternate paths. Like, you know, one guy thought he was going to be a particular kind of artist. Turns out he really loves being an art director at an ad agency because it's super creative. So like all these sort of unexpected directions that life took. And they have all these really fascinating conversations about like what gives life meaning and what gives like, you know, what do you count as success in art? Like, Mm -hmm. If you don't, you know, she talks to one person who actually became a professional musician and, you know, got into a symphony, which is like super, super hard to do. And but that person now in their mid 30s is like, well, now what? You know, like I've done this for so many years. It's great. But like, I'm kind of tired. I want to do something else. And so like what happens then? Yeah. So I chose it for this theme because I think there's this impression that we have of artists, whether it's musicians, whether it's writers, whether it's, you know, actors. And it's this sort of like idyllic version of what that artistic life is going to be. And most of the time, that's not that's not the reality. And I think there's also an impression that we have of kids who are gifted, like gifted enough, you know, to go to this special camp and like, well, life is settled now, you know, like you have started on this path and you are going to make great this and your life will follow a certain path. Yeah. And I think there's also this impression that we have of people who have like, quote, given up. Yeah. You know, like somehow things didn't work out how they thought it was going to be. And we call that a failure. Whereas most of the people here that she talks to, they don't view it that way. They view it as like, I pivoted or I did something different or right. I found this other thing that, oh, I love this or I'm really excited to see what's next. You know, I, yeah. I achieved this, but what else is there? So it's this fascinating, I really, really enjoyed this, you know, thinking as a person who writes myself, but also just as an adult, you know, thinking about like what you thought your life was going to be versus what it is. Yeah. And both the joy and sort of frustration in that, you know. Yeah. It's a great book. Wow. I love that concept. Yeah. So isn't much. it so cool? It is. Yeah. And it's interesting because she says immediately, you know, most of the people that she talks to, none of them became really famous and she changes uh, their names and everything. But there's one person that they knew immediately was going to be fantastic. And it's the actor Ben Foster. Like he went to their oh camp. And they all of them remember like, oh, yeah, when we saw him, we knew he was going to make oh it. So gosh. there is this like, you know, image of this one camp mate that did it that, that did, did exactly it. what he was supposed to do. So a lot of them are kind of shaming themselves because they're not getting Yeah, so yeah. it's such an intricate look at just you know, like I said, creativity, but also also life itself. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that idea. Mm-hmm. Oh, fascinating. Okay. Well, my uh, nonfiction pick this week is called Strangers to Ourselves, Unsettled Minds and the Stories That Make Us by Rachel Aviv. Hmm. And basically the author decided to set out to answer this question. How do we define ourselves in periods of crisis or distress? And what if the way we talk about mental illness actually shapes our lives more than we realize, like almost more than the actual whatever people think is going on with Mm. us? So she follows some different people in the book. She follows an Indian woman who is basically now considered a saint and a healer, but was shunned by her family and misunderstood. For years, Um, brushed off, said, you know, she was crazy and is still struggling with things, but has found a path to sort of pour that into. And so that was, you know, like the path that that took. She follows a mother who suffered psychosis and had a situation with her children and is now in jail. And she's coming out of that and trying to figure out sort of what that means, what that label means, how she feels now. Is that accurate? Um, she follows a guy who gets obsessed basically with all the psychoanalysts that spent any time with him and like, who are you to say these things to me? And she follows um, another woman who decides that she's been on medication since her early teens, if not before that, and says, you know, I don't even know who I am without these. I don't know who I am without saying like, I have to have this and this and this. And so she decides to start this path of going off of it and figuring out all of this. So lots of different stories. And and she's not glamorizing or glorifying any particular story. It's more at the heart of this question of, 
if you put someone in the situation and you constantly label them, what does that actually do? Oh, man. Yeah. And it's fascinating. She kind of uses her own story as a backdrop. She was the youngest patient to be admitted to an eating disorder clinic. She was six. Oh, my God. they thought she had anorexia. And she's very clear in the story that she learned extra behaviors there. Oh my God. Because she maybe wasn't diagnosed as correctly as she should have been. They said, this is the thing they put her in that path and they didn't stray from it instead of exploring the whole person and how that has affected her up until now and how that, you know, she met some people there. She goes back and traces their stories. So it's really, really fascinating. It's really insightful. It's deep. I, you know, at times it's kind of difficult, but I think the brilliance in this book, in this stories, are that they might seem kind of extreme and unrelatable at first, but like as the stories continue as a reader, I found myself feeling like they were more and more relatable and more engrossed in this process and more having feeling like, yeah, I get that. Like I've been there, not specifically there. I haven't, you know, been an Indian healer, but like I understand this pushback of like, no, you're not listening to me. So- I think that I picked it for this theme because medical field, mental health field are just rife with bad first impressions, for sure. right? Trigger, yeah. diagnosis, you know. It's we all can, about speed. How yes. can we figure out what's wrong with you so quickly? Yeah, get, get it through, get it through, get it through. And sometimes it's not a holistic approach, right. right? It's take this and call me if it doesn't get better. And so we hear those stories all the time about mixed diagnosis Um, about our need to advocate to be heard. And this takes such a deep dive into those specific stories to show not only that systematic failure, but that life-altering effect that can happen because of that that I don't think we examine a lot. Yeah, We know about misdiagnosis. We know that the medical field oftentimes is not doing justice, especially to certain populations. But I don't think we ever do that deep dive of like, what goes so wrong when yeah. you get a misdiagnosis or when you, even if it is correct, but you only look at that avenue. Yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating. It was. And just thinking, you know, personally, that story about like discovering my autism yeah. late, like I was diagnosed with so many other things over the years. And it's not just me. There's so many women like me that, mm-hmm. you know, it, autism was never thought about with them because of, medical biases because of, you know, first impressions because of all of that. Um, And that's just one tiny area in this massive scale of people that are getting my that's fascinating. Yeah, yeah, it it was really interesting to see all the past and see her kind of uncover their stories and how it played out differently. And uh, it was yeah, a fascinating read. Well, that sounds terrific. Okay, so for sort of a mood shift. Yeah, for pop culture. This is a movie film. A movie film. This is one you've seen as well. It's okay. on HBO Max. It's called The Menu. You recommended this and I just... I've recommended this to a few people. It's so good. Because it blew my socks off, Aaron. I've been recommending it to everyone after I watched uh, it because of you. All right. So here's a summation yes. of this movie. Yes. A group of rich people head to a private island mm-hmm. where they are eating at this super exclusive restaurant by a star chef. And then things go weird. They go real weird. So we've got uh, Nicholas Holt and Anya Taylor-Joy are sort of our primary people that we're following. And then Ray Fiennes is the chef. And he is phenomenal. So good. So among this crowd of this these sort of rich people, there's a food critic. There's this sort of rich older couple that they've gone multiple times to this island. There's a foodie who's Nicholas Holt. There's a movie star, sort of faded movie star, maybe. Um, there's some tech bros. Uh-huh. So it's this very mismatched group, and they all come, and they've got these expectations of this fine dining experience, and it's all about you know seeing and being seen and, and all of that kind of stuff. <laughs> quickly, yeah, quickly, this turns into something they do not expect. Mm. It gets weird. It gets wild. It gets dark. It's also super funny. And I don't want to say too much more. I know. Because you can't. The joy is discovering like, wait, what just happened? Yes. Holy shit. And it's all sort of happening in this one room in, you know, this dining room uh, and where the kitchen is still, you know, it's visible to everybody. And oh, man, it's just so cool. So I chose it for this theme because I think there's the first impressions of the group and each of the people within and their relations to one another. 
that we maybe as viewers have right away. And then over time, we start realizing, one, why they're there that specific night. Yeah. And two, like, oh, there's so much more that we didn't know. Yeah. Um, also, there's the first impressions of our main characters. Like, we go in thinking that Nicholas Holt and Anya Taylor-Joy are sort of one thing, mm-hmm. like a certain kind of couple. And then over the movie, you're like, oh, there's something way different here than we thought. And then there's the first impressions of the chef. We go in thinking, like, we've probably seen a lot of repre- representations of really high-level, like, world-renowned chefs. So we're going to expect a certain thing. And Ray Fiennes lives up to it. He uh-huh. is... He's got a, like a military order to his kitchen and he is going for it. But then quickly you realize, oh, there's a lot more here yeah. than we knew. Um, and I think also like first impressions of fine dining. Like we have this whole idea about, and also for those of us who couldn't afford something like this, like it just seems so stupid and, and yeah, so silly and so yeah. pretentious. Yeah. And also really, is any food going to be worth that? No. I have to get on a boat to go there? No. Nope. No, thank you. No. I'm on an isolated island? Nope. No. Listen, every Wednesday I pick up food from Haley and it is a goddamn delight. I don't need to be you on a boat. You don't have to boat. take a boat. No. You don't have to take a boat to go there? No. No. So anyway, what would you add to this? Since that, I think you well. nailed it. Because I was like, what are you going to say? Because there's so many twists and turns. It's amazing. I mean, I'm telling you, after you watch it, you're going to tell everyone to watch it. Because yeah. it's just so unexpected. Yeah, it's, it's wild. It's so dark and delightful. You're going to love it. Yeah. Watch it now. Yeah. I mean, when this episode ends. But yeah. then yeah, watch yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I for my pop culture this week, I'm going to bring a new show that Mike and I tried. That I think kind of goes along with my first pick. It's a bit of a lighthearted kind of a palate cleanser, but you got some murder in there. It's kind of just a fun take on it. It's called Poker Face mm. with Natasha Leone. Um, it just started on Peacock. And she plays Charlie, who is basically a human lie detector. We She has this skill that she can just tell when someone's lying. And... She's trying to stay under the radar, which you find out in the first episode for a few different reasons. So you kind of get her backstory in the first episode. But she's on the run. And then each episode from there, she kind of finds herself in the middle of a murder that she can't walk away from. So it's like a case of the week kind of thing. But there's this overarching story. And she has to figure out, like, she knows something's wrong and she can't leave because she knows something's wrong. But she's like, I can't put my finger on what it is like so you're sometimes seeing the story from one perspective and then they flip it and show up from charlie's perspective the second time it's a delight it's funny it's fun it's lighthearted. is this like you know gonna be emmy nominated best tv show ever (laughs) no it's just great it's a great antidote to watch when you're just like hey i'm eating dinner i don't need you know something super heavy i need something really enjoyable and that's what this is it's just and they just Filled it with guest stars. I mean, to the brim with guest stars. So Adrian Brody's in the first episode. Yeah. Um, Benjamin Bratz. Uh, Judith Light is in one. Tim Meadows. Ellen Barkin. Um, Little Ray Howard is in one. Uh, I was trying to think there was somebody else in that episode with him, too. I mean, there's just wow. every episode has a different set, you know, setting and different like new guest stars. And it is so fun. Sounds terrific. And Natasha Leone yeah, is just... she's fantastic. And her character is just everything you want her to be. She has, even though she's in kind of a precarious situation, she has like zero fucks to give. <laughs> and her hair always looks insane, but also awesome somehow. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And she's just like trying to make enough money to scrape by. So she keeps taking these like cash only jobs, which is how she gets into these weird situations. Oh yeah. And I, it's amazing. It's everything you want it to be saw her she was on seth meyers this week oh and it was a really tremendous interview because he she's just funny as hell she is and she had a whole bit about how she hates small talk and she wants to get into to to real stuff yeah and i may have to link to it because i think it's a philosophy to follow i, agree. I will follow you i agree and that's kind of her character in the show like yeah. she just sort of goes for it and i picked it obviously for this theme because sometimes her impressions don't match up with other people's because she can hint something that's like no one else would know you're lying about like oh husband saying to his wife i love you and she's like he doesn't you know or what up it's just random things but her impression is so different and also her first impression is so 
not what you would expect from a lot of people because she's just herself and she doesn't care. So she doesn't care if she's being rude or busting in. It's kind of a character you kind of want to like embody in Uh a way. Yeah. That's what we've talked about before about getting older is leaving that first impression with no fucks to give. Zero. It's like, I don't, I don't want to care about first impressions anymore. I don't want to. No, I don't want to. No, no. Ugh. Well, we got through. I'm we still did. sort of breathing. Yeah, I know. You yeah. need some hot soup and a rest. <laughs> <laughs> we did say at the beginning of this that it felt sort of like we're making it even because you've come to recording multiple times with so congestion. So many times. You guys have heard yeah. my congestion. <laughs> I mean, you could probably name the episodes and it probably is like 10 of them. So, yeah, I don't think I get sick that often. No. So when I do, I feel almost like a dude. Or I'm just like, oh, no, no, God, everything's broken. Close. Okay. No. I, in yeah. fact, I am worried that you actually have like late stage pneumonia or something because <laughs> you tend to really downplay things. I do. I so do. So I'm a little like. I did test for COVID. I am not covid That's it's good. It's no COVID. See, yeah. This is, just your the run, this is just your run of the mill cold. cold. Stupid cold. That is taking root in my nose and my chest. It's just crappy yeah but what i see in your future is just some tv time yeah and some rest yeah that's that's what i see in my future as well it's gonna be a good future yeah i think it's great yeah i think it's great Uh yeah so whatever impression we gave you this time (laughs) give us a second chance next time we just told you why first impressions are shitty so (laughs) wait so you think we came off this episode giving a bad impression of ourselves i don't think is it my voice is that what's happening at 130 if you don't know what you're getting that's true if you don't know what you're getting yeah and if you're the person that just listened to this episode at 130 oh man I I mean I don't want to call you out this hard, <laughs> but who starts a podcast at 130? Yeah, that's just I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't know that you're going to get to stay in Amy's book line if you say you start a podcast <laughs> at 130. Just don't tell that to Aaron because Aaron will boot your ass boot you right out. Yeah. The good news is we'll be back. We will. And in the meantime, happy reading. I'm up again. Same night, another dream. Before trying this recording thing, I didn't remember much of anything of these dreams. I didn't remember much from any of the women. And one night of doing this, and it's broken things open. The dreams are, they're in me, and they're they are coming out of me, and... To me, I am not broken. I am the most whole, most their despair. I cause their despair. I wait for the word. I wait for the word. Witch. 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 Look at the mad woman in her cage. She was a woman with holes inside her. That was the heaviest factor. The final evidence. The heart of the issue. Somehow, you understand this. You. You. You hear me. Wherever you are, whatever this is, you... This isn't a dream journal anymore. It's not. That's just, it's just fact. <laughs> because now this is, this is some sort of record. What are these dreams? Maybe there's a better question. Who are these women? Weird Woman is a Broads and Books production. All nine episodes are available January 10th. Listen and subscribe to Weird Woman on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. That's W-Y-R-D Woman, wherever you listen to podcasts.